are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Luke twenty-two fifteen says, Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you. Before my suffering begins, for I tell you that now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Isn't that something that we can't grab our grasp, just can't wrap our, our heads around? That Jesus is saying to his disciples, he knows that the cross is coming. And that the very last supper, he says, guys, I'm eager to tell you about this. I'm eager to tell you about my death. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think eager would be a word that would be in my vocabulary at the time. I know when I have to go to the dentist, I hate that. I just, man, I fear the dentist. And when Cindy's got that little thing on her calendar, okay, July, whatever, we're going, you know, you just kind of think, okay, it's coming closer. Man, did that time fly by? And then the dentist day comes, and it's like, man, I can't see me saying, woo, I am eager to go and see the dentist today. But yet Jesus did that for something that was much more horrific than the dentist's office could ever be. The reason why he was excited and eager is he was establishing an ordinance with the church that he would be shared regularly until he shared that cup again with each one of us on the resurrection. Yet it's becoming more and more forgotten about. It's becoming less and less important in our culture. It is becoming, it's becoming a time bother, a, tubject, a touchy subject that we don't really want to focus on. Well, you know what? Like Ray said, it is kind of barbaric. Jesus actually was tortured. He was hung on a cross. And you know what? Let's just talk about the good things. Let's talk about his grace. Let's talk about his love. That, is, that sells. That is awesome. But when we start to talk about stuff that may, may make us feel squeamish, it's like, you know what, let's just not go there. It's easier. Christianity in my life has changed uh, 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 absolutely dramatically. I remember when I was a little kid in the public school system that every single day we would start out with prayer. Everybody rise as we enter into prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we'd go through the Lord's Prayer, then we'd go through O Canada. And I just, I, I, I sent a, a, a little message off to one of our principals in Coal Lake, and I said, you know what, like I'm not in the, the public school system right now. Is O Canada still something that we do? I know prayer's out, but is, is O Canada still something that we do? And he says, well, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was talking about that with my staff this week. There's a debate that's going on. Some schools, it's not mandatory for us to do it anymore. Some schools do it, and some schools don't do it. And they're just wondering whether we should, should uh, just sort of take it out completely. It's like, Lord, we have gone so far away from your principles. God, we've just allowed things to happen on our watch that has just sort of taken us farther and farther away from our foundation of, of, of that heritage of a godly nation. You know what? We don't want to stand out. We don't want to be offended. We don't want the pressure and, and, and the public coming against us so we conform. And I wonder if we are so far away from what the, the original church was that the Lord is like, I don't know if I even recognize my bride. 
Matthew 10, 33 says, but everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. That it, that's one of those verses that we don't really like to talk about. Lord, I love you, and, and we worship God. Man, we had such a great time of worship today. Lord, you are awesome. And, and Melanie even said, let's just take a few minutes to tell Jesus that we love him. It's easy in here when everybody's doing it, but out there, it becomes so tough to be able to celebrate the goodness of God. In Quebec, there's a debate going on to ban all religious symbols to help promote unity. And in fact, in the National Post, they, they, they wrote an article on this, and I'd like to quote it this morning. The Christian exemptions to Quebec proposed secular character of values would allow the crucifix to remain in the National Assembly, the cross to remain on Mount Royal, and Christmas trees to remain in the government buildings, which are based on a controversial idea that some religious symbols have become secular. Just as the Christmas tree grew from pagan origins to signify the birth of Jesus, the theory goes that now in all modern Catholic Quebec, it's merely reflected that secular culture of holidays and gift-giving are part of our Quebec culture. As the minister res uh, responsible for the charter, Bernard Drainville, said on Tuesday, we will re recognize elements of our heritage that bear witness to our history, he said, of the tree and of the cross. These exemptions are currently going to strike people as hypocritical, said Paul Bramant, director of the Center of Studies in Religious and Social... social, social Society, society, sorry, at the University of Victoria. How in the world did the cross, the death of our Savior, become a secular symbol? Somewhere along the line, we have decided to settle for ways and forgotten the foundation of the gospel. You know what, guys? The truth of the matter is, is God can't bless that what does not conform to his pattern. And the church today, like I said earlier, is becoming less and less like the body of Christ needs to become. Revelations 2.4 says, Nevertheless, I am somewhat against you because you have left your first love. See, in that scripture there, first love translates from the Greek protos agape. Protos meaning above all in supremacy, and agape here means the love feast. So the church is being held accountable for not maintaining the ordinance of the love feast. Its first works, the first ordinance of Christ, left with the church and was uh, ratified the following day in the crucifixion of our Lord. So then what is the judgment? What, what did the Lord say that he was going to do because they were not honoring the love feast? It's in the very next verse, in verse 5. So Revelations 2, 5 says, Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. This speaks of the removal of the anointing oil of the Holy Spirit to bring forth revelation. The church of the emphasis had done so many good things and they're complimented for it, but yet there's a warning there as well that if you do not remember to have love as the centerpiece of your church, I will remove the lampstand that I have given you. See, the Bible is so filled with the word love. Like, you can prophesy, you can do all these things, but if you don't have love, you're just making noise. And we as a church, when we walk and we remember what the Lord has done, this whole foundation is not a barbaric ritual, but it's a love ritual where we can walk and say, Jesus or God, you loved us so much that you sent your only son to die for us and we can have access to the very throne room of our Heavenly Father. That is a love ritual. 
So it's not something that we want to put out in another room, just kind of like, hey, communion is out there if you wish to partake of it. But it's something that we as a church need to celebrate. And something that I don't want us in a church to just become tradition or something that we just do around here, but something that we understand its foundation. In the commentary, Chuck Smith says, so the warning is that we will not stay in a loveless church. He will take that church away from his presence. For where was Jesus walking in the midst? He, he who walks in the midst of the seven golden candles. So it's relevant to the message of judgment that he announces, if you don't repent, I'm going to take and remove this church from the place of my presence. I won't stay, he's saying, in a church that lacks love. And the tragedy of so many churches today is that there's a lack of love and thus the absence of the Spirit. And what ensues them is fighting and bickering and all the other things that we can see in churches. How important it is that we maintain this love. More important than having miracles or anything else is to have the Spirit of love. Isn't that true? And I desire signs and wonders. I desire the Lord to, to heal people supernaturally, to, to see people step into that presence. But the most important thing is love. And man, I tell you, I am so thankful of Cole Community Church because the number one thing when we have guests come in here who travel all over the world, they say, you know what? There's such a spirit of love in that place. They said, believe me, I've been to churches all over the world. You guys have something special here. My friends, praise God. But in order to keep that, we need to continue to teach on that and make that a, a pillar of our church. Make that a foundation where it's kind of like, Lord, love is so important. God, help us to lay down our rights. Help us, Father God, not to allow offense and bitterness to get in there. Because you know what? That's how the enemy works. If he can get this side fighting against this side, he's got us. Because all of a sudden, our whole focus is off him. It's on ourselves. Lord, forgive us. Help us, God, to walk together in unity. In Psalms um, 133, it says that in unity is where God commands his blessing. Do you know when we walk forward in unity that the Lord commands a blessing over us? That's powerful. Jesus is everything. Jesus is our all. And we need to walk in that place and just say, God, you asked us when we partake of this supper table to remember. Lord, help us not to forget. Help it not become something that we just do once a month, Lord. But God, help us to be able to get in that place and say, Lord, I want to take this seriously and embrace what you have done as my Heavenly Father. So then how often should we remember? See, this too is controversy over how frequently the Lord was shared in the early church. Some scholars believe that the priest would partake of communion daily, others weekly. We do know that the priest every week ate the bread of the presence because it shows us in Acts 20, verse 7. It tells us that they all at least shared communion weekly. The wonderful thing about the Lord's Supper is we don't have to wait for Sunday to partake. Do you know you can do this as a family? 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God will do this for he's faithful to do what he says. He's invited you into partnership with his son Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, we as a family, the Bible tells us that as guys, we're the priests of our homes. 
And it's so important for us to be able to teach our young ones about communion. And we can't do that unless we participate together as a family. To say, you know what, guys? Come here. We are going to have communion together and just start that in our home, that opportunity to teach, that opportunity to remember, that opportunity to pray together as a family. It's so important that we walk and we bless one another and we walk in that partnership with one another. Do you know the word in 1 Corinthians 1.9 where it says he's invited you into a partnership? That word partnership there is the Greek, in the Greek is koinonia. And in this, in this specific instance, that word in the Greek means social intimacy or intercourse. That's, that's deep relationship. How many people know that Pastor Hayward's Koinonia group next week is going to grow because of that? You know what? There's something special going on there with that word. Jesus is desiring a deep relationship with us. It's not fictitious. He's not a God up there somewhere. He's a God of relationship who desires lovers. God is a lover looking for a lover. And when we just say, God, we want you, Lord. We want intimacy with you. God, take us so deep, Lord, because we want to know your heart. I wonder if we have preconceived ideas about communion that keeps us from taking it. We think to ourselves, first, I need to make myself right so I don't take it in an unworthy manner. But you know what the Bible does say in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup unworthy is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking of this cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That's scary. So then what happens is we translate that in our heads. And we're like, well, you know what? I've had a bad month. And if I partake of communion right now, God is going to judge me, and I'm drinking sickness right now, so it's better for me to stay away from the communion table, and it becomes more a, a, a place of fear. That's not what God has. Communion, there's forgiveness in communion. See, the, again, one of the commentaries that I was read is, it was, is it's saying what that's saying is to have basically bad table manners where it's kind of like we just take it in tradition and we don't really stop to ponder the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we take that and we're kind of like, you know what, Lord, I know I'm not living right right now, so I don't want to take that. What we need to do is take a moment and pause and say, God, would you forgive me? And when, God, when we ask for forgiveness, God all of a sudden washes us clean and says, come draw close to me because that, that's our God. He wants us to go close to him. Not, okay, I'm going to run and hide. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make myself better. And then when I make myself better, then I can come before you worthy. See, the Bible says that our, our righteousness is like an under filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to be able to make ourselves clean enough for God. But God knows that. And God says, you know what, if you ask me to forgive you, I will forgive you, and I will cast it in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. I remember some of the demons of my past. Some of the things and the mistakes I made as a kid. And yet, you know what? I know the Lord has forgiven me from those things, but yet the enemy likes to remind us about it. You know what? How could you be preaching today? If the people knew this, they would throw you out of town. But the truth of the matter is, is when that kind of stuff happens, we, have, we all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but very few of us know John 3.17, that there's no guilt nor condemnation through Christ Jesus. 
So when we start to feel guilty and we start to feel condemned and we start to feel all gross and ugly, we just say, wait a minute, where's this coming from? It's not coming from Jesus. It's coming from the enemy who's wanting to separate us when Jesus is saying, draw close to me. So when we're at that place, we can say, Lord, communion is important and God, I want to embrace that. And the way I can embrace that is by examining my heart and saying, God, I know my heart's not right, but Lord, would you forgive me? Would you make me clean? Would you be my Lord and Savior? See, when I was a kid, I did church. You know, I was, I was raised in a family that we, we man, we were, we were every denomination. I was so messed up. I was Salvation Army. I was Baptist. I was Presbyterian. We were uh, non-denominational, Pentecostal. And it just, it just sort of all rolled into one. And, and, and as I, I grew, I had a, a friend of mine who was my best friend. And I just, we were, we were the best of, best of buds. And I would invite him to church, and, and he knew what that meant. We went to a big church in, in Brampton. And, and what would happen is when church would, would start, the two of us would sneak down in the basement because everybody was upstairs and the basement was empty. And they, we found access to this storage room that had all the Christmas nativity stuff in there, that they did this big play. And, and one of the roofs of this manger or whatever it was was made with a bamboo roof. So we ripped off the piece of the bamboo on the roof, and we had, had now swords, and we'd go into battle, and the two of us would fight downstairs with these bamboo things. And man, like all of a sudden, it'd be like, we'd be like fighting, fighting, and we'd be like, whack! Oh, you got me! And then we'd just we'd do it, and we, but it was so much fun. We'd have so much fun down in the basement of the church, but that was church. And then in grade 10, I gave my life to Christ and I got saved. And when I invite Russell to come to church with me, he, it, w- it wasn't foreign because he'd been to church with me before. He's like, yeah, let's go. We're going to have a good time. So he came out, but something had changed in me. And when worship started this time, I had my eyes closed and I started worshiping God. And he, he kind of nudged me. I'm like, what? He's like, well, let's go play. Let's go do something. I'm like, no, I'm worshiping God. Close your eyes and worship God. So he'd be like, oh, this is different. Okay, I'll worship God too. So he just started worshiping God. Didn't know God. Mother and dad were not saved. I never really spoke to him about the Lord because it was all new for me. And then all of a sudden, got my eyes closed and we're singing a song and, and it, was, it was about the blood. And I don't know if it was the power in the blood or, or which song it was, but you, know, you just kind of get lost in his presence and I feel him lean, pushing on me. And when you got your eyes closed, you're, kinda, you're not really paying attention for someone who's pushing on you. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know what, man, let's go downstairs and find some bamboo. I'm going to clobber you. I told you I'm worshiping right now, and you're bugging me. So he's pushing on me, but he's kind of like fainting or something. And he's, and he's pushing on me, and as he's pushing on me, he's falling down. He falls down, and he's on the floor. And I'm just like, what is your problem? Like, do I have to call the, the ambulance? Or what? like, what's going on? And he starts screaming, oh! And I'm like, oh my goodness, he's possessed. I knew he was bad, like this guy, like come out, come out, you know, so being the the best of bud that I was, I just moved a few chairs over, because I didn't want want everybody to know that I was with him, because there was a lot of good-looking girls in the church, and I didn't want them to think I was with some freaky guy, right, so I'm just kind of like, you're on your own, man, so I walked over here, and he's on the ground, and he's screaming and rolling on the ground, and and this kind of stuff, and then I'm like, stop it, stop it, you're embarrassing me, stop it, so finally he got up, and I went over him, I'm like, dude, what is your problem? Like, I've known you a long time, and you're not like this. He says, oh, I don't know, man. He says, I saw Jesus. 
I'm like, you saw what? Because I, I saw Jesus. I'm like, I've been a Christian now for like three months, and I've never seen Jesus. How come you get to see Jesus, and you're not even a Christian? He goes, well, what happened is he, is when we were singing that song, he says, I just was sitting there, and I'm just kind of singing the song, and look around, and all of a sudden, he, he was up on the platform, and he just kind of walked down, and he just kind of walked, walked right through, and I'm, I'm just watching him. He comes right up to me, and he looked at me, and then he just reached inside of my heart, and he said he grabbed all the bad stuff, and he ripped it out of me, and he said, Lance, it was the most painful experience I ever had in my life. And I fell to the floor because I couldn't stand. And then he threw it to the ground, and when, he, when I was on the ground, he took love, and he replaced it inside of me. And he says, I'm a changed person. And I'm like, that is awesome. Man. Then I sat with him again because then I felt more spiritual. My best friend, Russell, getting married this summer, I'm going to be his best man. Looking forward to it. But my best friend, Russell, his dad called me son number two. We hung out every single day. And my dad number two, I guess, was the porn king of Bolton. Pornography was illegal in Canada. So, uh, a soft porn was legal, but, but full-on pornography was illegal. And he had all these movies from the States that people would rent out for bachelor parties. And that guy said to me, I, I would ask my qu parents questions in grade six. I'd ask them questions about sex, and my parents were like, you know what, I'm not going to talk to you about that. You shouldn't know that kind of stuff. So then I went to dad number two, and dad's like, son, you don't know anything. Let me show you. And he showed me videos to teach me about sex. And this boy who had that father and a mother who was, they're amazing people, but they just don't know the Lord, had a transformation at the altar. And I don't know what happened at that church. I, I just remember that moment. But if they had communion afterwards, would he be acceptable to come before Jesus and partake in communion, knowing who he was, knowing what a slime ball he was? Absolutely, because Jesus made him clean. My friends, you may be in this room right now and say, you know what? You don't know what I've done, Lance. You don't know who I am. And if you knew who I was, you wouldn't want me in your church anyways. The truth of the matter is, is the church is a bunch of incomplete people who have shady pasts and skeletons in our closets, and we get together and try to worship God. We are hypocritical. We make mistakes. We try to do the best we can to worship God with what we know, but you know what? If we focus on people, every time they'll let us down. Because how much I love my wife, how much I love Russell, he cannot fill that void in my heart. The only person who can fill that emptiness is Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it starts here by saying, Jesus, I'm sick and tired. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over, over again, expecting a different result. But to saying, Jesus, I'm sick and tired of living for myself. Is the battery dying in this, bud? No. I'm sick and tired of living for myself. I need to live for you. And Lord, I don't know what that means, but God, I know I need 
change in my life. Then that's where discipleship comes in, by getting into a ladies group, by getting into a men's group and say, you know what, I just gave my life to Christ and I need you to help me. I need you to teach me. I need to get into the Word and find out who God is. You know what, if that's you this morning, before we go any farther, if that's you and you're like, Pastor, I want you to pray for me, would you have the boldness this morning to raise your hand and say, God, I am going to acknowledge that I need you because, Lord, I don't want you to deny me. I want God, you to be, I want my name this morning written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, all over this place. Father, for every single person whose hand is up saying, God, I want to live for you, God. Lord, I want to know you as my personal Savior. I ask right now that you would just come into our hearts. God, where we can say, Lord, I am no longer going to live for me, but God, it's time for me to live for you. And God, help me to focus on you. So Lord, I thank you for every person in here who has their hand raised, and I pray, God, supernaturally that you would bless them. I pray, Father God, that Lord Jesus, that you would not just come into our life, but God, we would feel your presence. And we would know that you're challenging us to greater things. Lord, thank you for the boldness of these individuals. Thank you for their courage this morning. And God, I just pray, Lord, that your, their lives would change forever. Because God, the Bible tells us that they, as of this very moment, that they are a new creation. You are not the old person anymore. You are not the old lifestyle anymore. As of this moment, you are new in Jesus' name. And I declare that and I prophesy that over every single one of you who raised your hand. You are new. The Bible says that he forgives us and forgets it. Never to be remembered again. That's our God. That's not man. If all of a sudden someone came up and did something to me, punched me in the face, I could say, you know what, I forgive you, but I'm not going to forget about it. Because I'm not going to give you the opportunity again. In fact, the next time I meet with you, I might just have something in my pocket just to protect myself against you. But that's not God. God's like, Lord, remember when I did this? I just want to ask you to forgive me. And God's like, remember what? You know, when I, when I did this? No, no I, don't, I don't remember it. What are you talking about? Because he doesn't remember. He doesn't hold you accountable for it. You're a new creation. And you're free. Communion is not a tradition. It's not a ritual. It's life for the believer. A time for us to remember that Jesus is Lord. You know what? In communion there's healing. Are you sick today? Do you know that Jesus is still in the business of healing the sick? Isaiah 53 says... Yet it was our weakness he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we, and we thought his troubles were punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, he was crushed for our sins, he was beaten so that we could be whole, he was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, all of us, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's past to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. This passage is then repeated again in Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24. Why? Because it's important. Jesus took our sin, he died to pay the price, and by his wounds, we have been healed. When we, we discern his body, we are to consider the important fact. Where are you? 
Perhaps you're here today and you know that communion has become just something that we do. Take it or leave it. My friends, it's more than that. Perhaps you're here and you're feeling conviction, knowing that you haven't been living right, living for God. Perhaps you're here and you've sickness in your body and your desire for healing. This supper is for you. To stand before his presence and say, God, help me, Lord. Make me whole. Walk with me. Heal me. Touch me, Lord. Because God, I don't want to come to church and leave exactly the same. But God, I want to leave changed in Jesus' name. Team, would you come? This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us pause and remember and to partake this morning. For we and our desire is to get closer and closer with the Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, usually when we do communion, we kind of pass it out and we just sort of partake of communion in our chairs. But this morning as I was preparing, I really felt the Holy Spirit say, we're going to do it a little bit differently today. The worship team is going to worship. And as they enter into that place of worship, I just ask you to enter into that place of worship and just say, God, prepare my heart. For God, today, I want to remember Jesus. I want to remember the work of the cross. And then, once that has taken place, would you come and partake of communion? The band will just continue to play until the last person has taken communion. We are not going to have a closing today. The, the service is closed now. You can come and go as you please. But take a moment and remember our Lord Jesus Christ. If you put up your hand and, uh, and you said, you know what, I, I want Jesus as my personal Savior, up on, this, uh, up on the front row here, I've got a little package for you. Why don't you just grab one of these? It's got a Bible in it. It's got some first steps in it. And then it's got a little blue card in that. And that little blue card will help us to follow up with you so you just don't get lost in the cracks. We want to make sure that, that you get it to walk and become discipled next, okay? So take a little bag, fill out the paperwork, and then enjoy the free gifts that are in there. Amen? Amen. Lord bless you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.